Chapter Sixteen of Hartman the Anarchist by E. Douglas Fawcett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Last of the Attila, as the rabble closed on the Aeronef, she gave a huge heave, her bow swinging over her assailants like the tilted arm of a seesaw. Next, the stern cleared the turf, and the colossus rose majestically rolling the while like some ship riding at anchor the gnats who clung to her bottom and gallery dropped off confusedly and the whole multitude in her neighbourhood seemed bewildered with surprise and terror suddenly the attila was enveloped in flame and smoke the roar of her big pieces mingling with the cracks of the machine-guns and the rifle-fire that spurted from the loopholes in her armour lanes were cut in the crowd in all directions and a veritable hail of bullets whistled past the spots where we stood many even claiming their victims around us discretion not valour was our choice we made widely for the outlets toward which a screaming mob rushed behind us and once through them made our way rapidly down the street having run some few hundred yards we stopped and saw with dismay how narrow had been our escape the attila was still rising majestically with her machine and quick firing guns playing on the multitude as a hose plays on flames the wretched victims were fighting for the blocked gates and outlets like creatures possessed bloody gaps opened and shut in their midst and heaps of butchered and trampled bodies tripped up the frantic survivors in batches as they ran the din was simply unearthly the picture as a whole indescribable not being set off by two or three easily detachable features but so compositely appalling in its details as to baffle the deftest pen it lingers still vividly in my memory the cloudy pall above the still smoking and ruined houses opposite the park the heaving crowd with its multitudinous detail of slaughter suffocation and writhings the smoke-clad hull of the attila as it rose in angry majesty its top peering like the matterhorn through clouds these were fraught with a fascination that held us enthralled the sight would have moved the pity of a borgia and glutted to the full the morbid aestheticism of a nero but the massacre was as short as it was swift when the aeronef had reached the height of one hundred and fifty feet she suddenly ceased firing and began once more to circle with albatross-like grace into the path she had previously favoured what was the motive for this strange suspension of hostilities possibly her munitions were failing and the thought of departure with his grim project unaccomplished had forced Hartman to husband his resources, and await some novel opportunities for mischief at night. His state of mind, however, must have been even at that moment unenviable. That he had yet received the fatal letter might or might not be the case, but quite apart from this thunderbolt, he had a gloomy prospect to brood over. The failure of his artillery and petroleum to effect the ruin he had contemplated was in itself from his standpoint a catastrophe while the extirpation of the anarchist rising below rendered his very security dubious of the success or defeat of the continental anarchists 
We had as yet heard nothing, owing to the disorganization of the usual channels of information. But, seeing that the attack in London had failed, it was highly probable that it had withered away utterly in places where there was no Attila to back it. In this event, the situation of Hartman would be precarious. Defiance of human efforts as seemed the Aeronef, it was, nevertheless, to a large extent dependent on the maintenance of its communications with society, communications which had hitherto been kept up with the various continental anarchist groups. Coals, provisions, gas, munitions of all sorts had to be allowed for, but in the debacle of modern anarchism and complete exposure of its secrets, things might come to such a pass that the Attila would be altogether without a basis, deprived of which her death from inanition was a mere question of time. Here was a fine opportunity for the governments, an opportunity which could not well have escaped the acute vision of Hartman. Ah, well, we should see. At this stage my speculations were cut short by a rush of fugitives down the street, and, unable to breast the torrent, we took the wisest course and flowed with it. Some way further on, however, the panic began to ease down, then slowly died away, until many stopped outright to gaze on the destroyer which sailed so contemptuously above them. Some even found their way back to the park, anxious to do what they could for the hundreds of wounded and dying wretches who littered the sward for an area of at least three hundred square yards, and whose cries would have shocked the denizens of Malibolge. We were about to do the same when the road was summarily cleared by police, and all further access to the scene prohibited. We were protesting against this usage when a voice was heard, apparently from one of the rooms of one of the few uninjured houses opposite. Hi! Here! Is that you, Northerton? Come in, man, come in! I looked up and saw, leaning from a window, an elderly gentleman whom I recognised as a frequent visitor at Carsholton Terrace. We accepted forthwith this very seasonable invitation, and mounting the steps, were ushered into a cosy drawing-room, where we found the whole family assembled. The old gentleman, whose name was Wingate, could talk of nothing, of course, but the one absorbing subject, the Attila and her depredations. An attentive circle surrounded us as we recounted the story of the last shameful massacre. "'The ship, or whatever you call it, seems quiet again,' observed our host. "'Calm before a storm, I'm afraid. I dread to think what this night might have in store for us.' "'And I, too. My idea of the respite is simply this. They are waiting till darkness comes on, and will take merciless advantage of the facilities it offers for the creation of panics and confusion.' "'I hear,' continued Mr. Wingate.' that the fires are being got under control, but that Westminster, Southwark, Brompton, Kensington, the city, and adjoining districts are no better than smoking ruins. Heaven shield us from this monster! By the way, I put in, have you a good glass here? There goes the destroyer almost within hail. Yes, there's a capital one upstairs, which used to do duty at sea when I was a yachtsman. Come upstairs and try it. I followed him out of the room, 
leaving my future father-in-law with the ladies. Mr. Wingate took me into the bedroom immediately above, and drawing a leather case from the shelf, produced a capital instrument. He had a long look first, but complained of the difficulty of following the movements of the Aeronef. He then handed it to me to report, if possible, better results. Lifting the window, I lay back on the floor against the side of the bed, and steadying the barrel on the edge of the dressing-table, managed to obtain an excellent view. "'Do you see anything?' "'Yes, she's turning our way. Ah, that's better. How delicate this glass is!' I then described to him the prominent parts of the Attila, more or less in detail. "'Is the deck crowded?' "'No. There are several men round the battery near the citadel, but the rest of the deck is deserted. Here, try again. The view now is splendid.' The glass once more changed hands. "'What a sight!' ejaculated my companion, having succeeded in spotting the Aeronef. "'Why, I can see the whole thing just as if it was only across the road, just as you described it too. By the way, there is a solitary individual pacing the foredeck frantically. He seems terribly excited about something. More mischief, doubtless.' "'Describe him,' I cried eagerly. "'Easier said than done.' He had said a moment before that that the whole thing was as clear as if it was only across the road. But he seems very tall, rather dark, with a thick black beard. And he holds some letter in his hand, which he kisses and then brandishes fiercely. Hartman, by all that's holy! Vindictively I bethought me of the letter and the miserable reports of failure which Norris and his men must have delivered. I should say he is the captain or some other boss in authority, for see, a gunner comes up and salutes him. Ah, he must be angry. He dismisses the man fiercely, and seems once more to devour the letter. Go on, go on. He steps to the railing and shakes his fist at the city below. Now he seems to be deliberating, for he remains perfectly still, looking every now and then at the letter or document. How beside himself with anger he seems! He dashes his fist on the railing. Now he strides across the deck and stalks through the surprised gunners to the citadel. I feel sure something terrible is brewing. Ha! Captain of the Attila, smart under the lash of Nemesis, matricide and murderer, writhe! You felt not for the thousands sacrificed for a theory. Feel now for the report of your plans wrecked beyond hope of repair. Feel, too, for a loved mother, the sole creature you ever cared for, but whom your reckless and futile savagery has immolated. Hater of your race, terrible indeed has been your penalty. Hallo! He comes up again with a revolver in each hand. He closes the gate of the outer wall of the citadel and seems to harangue the crew. Is he mad or what? He fires one of the revolvers, and a man drops. A mutiny, a mutiny. I see the men rushing up like fanatics. They climb the wall, he shooting the while. Ah, he rushes into the citadel and closes the inner door sharply. They try to follow him, but cannot. After a long pause. Stay, they have broken the door open and rush. 
a flash that beggared the levin bolt a crash shattering the window panes and deadening the ear a shock hurling us both on our backs broke the utterance then thundered down a shower of massive fragments fragments of the vast ship whose decks i had once trodden hartman dismayed with the failure of his plans and rendered desperate by the letter had blown up the attila the news of his failure and the message of a dying woman had done what human hatred was too impotent even to hope for but little more remains to be said you are conversant with the story of the next few days you know also how order was once more completely re-established how the wreckage of that fell twenty-four hours was slowly replaced by modern buildings how gradually the empire recovered from the shock and how dominance henceforth became the great problems of labour my own connection with these latter was not destined to endure after my marriage with lena my interest took a different turn travel and literary studies left no room for the surlier duties of the demagogue writing from this quiet german retreat i can only hope that my brief narrative will prove of some interest to you it has not been my aim to write history i have sought to throw light only on one of its more romantic corners and if i have succeeded in doing so the whole purpose of my efforts will have been accomplished End of chapter 16 End of Hartman the Anarchist by E. Douglas Fawcett Read by Phil Benson in Sydney, Australia